When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Future. We're talking real money. I don't know how to hang it up. I don't know how to hang it up. You're leaving a message now. Oh my gosh, um, that 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 <laughs> that's one of the funnier calls uh, we've received. Usually they're just normal questions. I don't get the context of that one because that is pretty much the whole call. Uh, but do you know what it reminds me of? Well, just recently, my wife and I were looking for something plain, something vanilla, something that didn't require a lot of thought to watch, that didn't have a lot of controversy. You know, she doesn't want to watch any of the kind of semi-violent shows or very violent shows that I occasionally watch and some of the weirder comedies I watch. So we wanted something that was mainstream that appeals to everybody. And I, I'm pretty sure that given the huge number of shows that were produced, we haven't watched every Seinfeld. So we went back to the very beginning of Seinfeld to start watching. First season, by the way, was very strange. Um, but what, what did that call? Does that call remind you of a Seinfeld episode? That's what it reminded me of. It just was like, <laughs> I don't know how to hang up. I just click the hang up button. <laughs> okay. Yeah, modern technology. Hello, welcome to the show. Those folks were calling 855-935-TALK, which is the phone number that brings your questions or your strange inability to hang the phone up to this show, which we call Talking Real Money. This is the Talking Real Money podcast. Sometimes it's a radio show. Sometimes it's a podcast. Well, all the time it's a podcast. So thanks for being a part of it. We're going to try and enlighten you about money. It's my turn this time. I'm Don McDonald, and you can call with your questions. And by the way, do we have questions this week? Holy mackerel. So I'm, uh, that's why I started with that. I was looking back at the questions. So we'll get to those in a minute. But I want to embark upon the topic O the day. As I am recording this, the election, the uh, presidential big every four-year election is about two weeks away. And I still hear from people confused, concerned uh, about what the election might or might not do to their investments. So I want to, in my job as the host, try to enlighten. I have a water bottle on my desk and my headphone cord's hitting it. Let's move that over there. So um, I went and picked up some fascinating research from Dimensional Funds on the effect of presidential or congressional elections on the U.S. stock market. And it's interesting. 
you'd, you'd think there would be some pattern to all this. I mean, think about it for a minute. I know you can't respond to me, but think about it for a minute. Who would you have thought as a president would have been best for the markets? Which party do you believe has been in the past best for the markets? And I bet you a lot of people are going to say, oh, by far, at Republicans. Well, which president would you guess was the best? Republican presidents. Hmm, Reagan. Okay, Trump. Well, you'd be wrong on both counts. There is basically no difference. Fascinating. The average annual return for the S&P 500 since 1926, no matter who's in in power, the average return about 10% a year. That's a lot of money. But when you look at the actual numbers, and I'm only going to go back 50 years because to go back any farther would make this incredibly long. The worst president for the market in the last 50 years was George W. Bush. George W. During his eight-year term, the S&P 500 lost an average of 4.5%. Richard Nixon was number two, with a loss of 3%. The third worst performing president was Donald Trump, with a 6% average return over his almost four years. The best? (laughs) This one really surprised me. The best return over the presidential term was for Gerald Ford. Over his term, the market went up 20%. Carter, now you would have thought that would have been terrible, right? Up 11, almost 12. Under Reagan, up 16. Under George H.W., 14. Under William Jefferson, up over 17. And under Obama, up 16. And congressional elections don't make any difference either. Some of the best and the worst have happened under both parties. You know, the guy with the worst luck, though, really was Bush. He got the 2001 market decline and the 2008. Now, I don't believe that presidents really have that much to do with the market. I believe the movement of the markets is determined by too many people, too many businesses, too many countries, too many policies, too many fears, too many expectations to be under any control of a single person. Nobody can do it. But what these charts tell you is that presidential elections in the long run, maybe even in the short run, really don't matter. I mean, I'm looking back. The Bush decline bottomed out just before Barack Obama was elected. Just before. Hmm. And during the Nixon-Ford period, it was actually, uh, for a big chunk of that, it was pretty bad. So, I don't think you need to overthink this. You should vote as, I love this line from David Booth at Dimensional Funds. He says, vote with your ballot 
not with your life savings. In other words, don't vote based on what you think the market's going to do because apparently it hasn't done what anybody really expected it to do anyway. 855-935-TALK is our phone number, 855-935-8255, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can call and leave your question. Hi, gentlemen. Um, This is Sean from North Dakota, and I've got a question regarding records. Uh, How long uh, must I keep records from taxable individual stock holdings? Now, this was before I saw the light and got rid of individual stocks, but I have all these records from these individual holdings, and I didn't know how long to keep them. Also, how long must I keep records for um, Roth IRA uh, transactions? I owned a Roth, several Roth IRAs with different companies, and a number of years ago consolidated them all into Vanguard, and how long must I keep those records? Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, let me start by saying congratulations on getting that real money religion. Good job. No more stocks. So uh, what do you have to do for records? Well, this is from the horse's mouth. The horse is uh, called the Internal Revenue Service. Here's the deal. I love. I actually love, love the IRS's way of putting this. So I'm actually going to read some of it verbatim. Um, you, you need to keep your tax records for three years, quote, if situations four, five, and six below do not apply to you. Now, let's read four, five, and six, because four, five, and six actually kind of crack me up. Four, keep records for seven years if you do not report income that you should report and it is more than 25% of the gross income shown on your return. So if you lied, you better keep the records to show you lied. Five, keep records indefinitely if you do not if you do not file a return. You always have to keep them. That'll show you not to file. Keep records indefinitely. This is my favorite. Number six, ready? Keep records indefinitely if you file a fraudulent return. Well, that goes without saying. You need to help them prove your fraud. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. Uh, but basically, in your case, it's either three years or it's seven years. It's only seven years, though, if you file a claim for a worthless security loss or bad debt. That's it. Otherwise, apparently, you can get rid of them according to the IRS. And that's based on the year in which you dispose of the property. So, um, the stuff, the, the securities. Now, as for your Roth, you don't really have to keep anything. But what you probably should keep is something showing you didn't exceed the maximum allowable contributions. Um, but that can be recreated by your your custodian pretty easily. Uh, since there's no, there are no taxable events that have to be accounted for in a Roth or an IRA, you don't really need anything to prove your cost basis. So I hope that covers it. I think it does. 
But the IRS, they do crack me up the way they phrase that stuff. 855-935-TALK, or you can send your questions in at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form. But we have so many voice calls that I'm just going to keep going with those. Hi, Don. Uh, I will be getting an inheritance I don't know, between three and $400,000, and I don't know what to do with it. Uh, it's with Edward Jones. I just asked if they're a fiduciary. The lady said she didn't know, and I am all new at this. I'd certainly like any help. Thank you. Well, you've come to the right place, but we don't have a lot of information to go on. So I'm going to be very, very generic here. Let's start with the elephant in the room, Edward Jones. Are they a fiduciary? No, no. They are a commission brokerage firm. Now, they also can act as a registered investment advisor. However, most of the time, Edward Jones people sell you products. Generally, those products are the American funds. And they have, they start with a commission of five and three quarter percent, and they have fees in the six tenths of a percent range, somewhere around there. So no, they are not a fiduciary. No, they do not always have to act in your best interest. They only have to do what's suitable. And if, in fact, they do act as an investment advisor, they charge from 1.44% per year down to 1.22% if you're over a million, over $2 million. So in your case, they're going to charge you, if they manage your money as a fiduciary, 1.44. We think that is uh, at least 0.44 or you know, maybe 0.34, too expensive. Now on to the question of what to do with your money. This is a question, we talked about it on one of the podcasts. There's no right or wrong answer. And the thing is, is an Edward Jones and firms like it will tell you there is. Well, in today's market, you should do X, Y, and Z because we know. They don't know. I don't know. Nobody knows. You have to do what's right for you. And that sounds complicated, but it really isn't. You have to sit down and determine what you want this money to do for you realistically. With the understanding that the more money you want to make from your money, the more risk you must take. Those two are locked together, risk and reward. Higher potential returns require higher potential risk. Then you need to determine how much risk you can stand, how much risk do you need to take to meet your goals, and then you build a globally diversified portfolio based on your risk tolerance, your risk profile that is diversified between U.S. stocks and international stocks that is diversified between stocks and bonds, short to intermediate term bonds, so you don't have a lot of bond volatility, and then you regularly rebalance that portfolio. So that's the big picture thing. Uh, more specifically, it's a thing that a, a, that a fee-only fiduciary advisor will be helpful with. And you can go to TalkingRealMoney.com help, and we actually have a list of some fee-only advisors that we believe, we can't guarantee it, we don't know this, we're not recommending them, we've just looked them up online, and it appears that they are likely, they are likely to um, 
act as, act in your best interest. So check that out. TalkingRealMoney.com slash help. Well, based on the time I'm looking at, I think we should do one more. This one is not a question. This is a comment on some previous questions asked. Actually, this comment is in two parts because he went back and came back. So here's here's part one. Hi, I'm Steve, a uh, regular listener to your show. I think I heard mistakes on uh, some of your recent broadcasts, uh, episodes 501 and 502. You gave a fellow uh, information that he could uh, do a recharacterization uh, when he, if he uh, made a mistake regarding a conversion uh, of, to a Roth IRA. And I think that you can do uh, a recharacterization if you uh, over-contribute on a contribution to a Roth. But I think if you've done a conversion, you're in. There's, there's no recharacterizing of that. Uh, and that changed a few years ago. If I remember that call correctly, um, I believe that he was talking about recharacterizing if he made a mistake. I'm pretty sure. Um, and you, I am not a tax expert by any means, never claim to be, but I did check with an accountant and you're referring to the, uh, the tax law changes in 2017, which doesn't allow recharacterizations of Roths anymore. Um, you have to, you, once you pay the tax, it's done. That really was the, the intent. But what I, the, the message I got quote was there's that some, characterizations are still possible in very specific conditions. And they basically said that if someone converts to a Roth IRA, not knowing that their income was above the eligibility limits, they could recharacterize that to a traditional. Now, again, I am not a tax expert, so um, don't quote me on that. As always, always, when you're dealing, and I think I told him that, get a professional to look your situation over and get a professional opinion, even though those sometimes differ. But And uh, let's go to your next correction. And uh, I think this was in episode uh, 501, where a fellow had, was uh, inheriting an uh, IRA as a non-spouse, uh, and you gave him the impression that he could roll that over into a Roth, and I don't think that that's possible. So uh, I caught a I think I caught a couple of glitches there, but again, I'm just somebody that listens to the podcast. I could be wrong. Thanks for your show very much. Take care. And thank you for the corrections because you're absolutely right about that one. A spousal Roth or a spousal IRA inheritance can be converted to a Roth, but a non-spousal IRA inherited cannot be. So I really appreciate the clarification. If you want to clarify something, as Tom said in, in one of the recent podcasts, somebody's going to call us on that. Call us on that at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And please tell friends, neighbors, acquaintances, anybody you know. We're moving up the charts, by the way, at Apple Podcasts, which is the only chart I know about. Uh, we really are. We're moving up a lot. So thanks. Keep telling people. And what else was I going to tell you? Oh, yeah. If you really need the the detailed help that is required by so many of these situations, or if you're looking for a second opinion, let me make a promise. You can spend time with one of our fiduciary advisors. We will not charge you anything for a meeting. We're not going to pitch you any products. We're not going to try to pressure you to become a client. 
We're just going to help and educate. So it's easy to set it up. Just go to vestry.com and set up a meeting. Set up a meeting. Click on the button, set up a meeting, meet with one of our advisors. They're nice. They're helpful. It's not complicated. Thanks for listening. I'm Don McDonald. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.